Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, JT, with you. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. As we get rolling here, brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza in town. Five locations in the Valley in the home of the Grimaldi's $50 gift card. Breaking news, according to Adam Schefter, the Jets have traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for a 2021 sixth-round pick and second- and fourth-round picks in 2022. Breaking news, Sam Darnold. Former USC Trojan Jets quarterback just traded to Carolina. He should be the franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers going forward. Wow, that's a big deal because I always thought that that could be a landing spot for Deshaun Watson, who we talked about from his years at Clemson and playing in that area. And Matt Rule now gets another quarterback. I believe that Sam Darnold's much better than Teddy Bridgewater. So you could have Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold And also, Carolina, this could change the draft because a lot of people expected that Carolina would go for a quarterback in the first round. So if the Carolina Panthers wanted to go get a quarterback in the first round, they wouldn't have done this deal unless unless they're looking to package Sam Sam Darnold again after that and move him on before the draft, which is a text that I just had from someone in the business that I'll leave off the air who said, this might not be done. So, look, they got Teddy Bridgewater. They got Sam Darnold. They could use that in a potential trade. I believe that Marcus Mariota is better than Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. I repeat, Mariota's better. He is. He could do more outside the pocket. He's a better quarterback. But this could change the draft now because Carolina was picking at number eight overall. And it was pretty obvious that they were going to take a quarterback. But they would have the fifth of the five quarterbacks. If you follow us there, the Jets at number two could be taking Zach Wilson. San Francisco at number three could take Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Atlanta at number four needs a quarterback to replace Matt Ryan. I still think they might trade out of that pick. Cincinnati at five. The Dolphins at six. Detroit at seven. Now Carolina. So that could change a little bit for the Raiders because my I thought that all five quarterbacks would be taken by the ninth pick, the Denver Broncos. So if, if, if it looks like Carolina might not be taking a quarterback at number eight, that gives one of these other teams that needs a quarterback, case in point, New England. New England can trade up from 15 all the way up there, or New England can trade from 15 all the way up to number eight and trade for Sam Darnold. They could do that, but I think New England would rather trade up and get one of these younger quarterbacks. So that's big news. That is breaking news as Sam Darnold leaves New York. I, I think that New York failed him. I think that New York failed him. He went to a really, really bad team, and he gets traded before the draft. But to me, with Christian McCaffrey and what they have on that team, Sam Darnold, that's a good fit. He's so young. Matt Rule is a really good offensive coach could probably put him in a better situation to win. And Carolina still has that high pick. So what will happen there? There was a lot of rumors going on for quite some time, for quite some time that San Francisco wanted Sam Darnold. 
that maybe this was the fit for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. So I don't know what's going on here. One of two things. Either Carolina wants Sam Darnold to be their franchise quarterback, and they've seen something great in him, or they're using this trade to make another trade and maybe move up, potentially having the eighth pick still and Sam Darnold. How would you like to trade Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater and the eighth pick to move up, right, to move up and maybe get the quarterback that you want in the draft? I don't know. But Adam Schefter just broke this story, and a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, it, what it does is it guarantees the Jets will not have Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold competing for a quarterback spot. So the Jets, the big takeaway here is the Jets have made the decision and they're, they're going to go with the rookie quarterback in the draft, the number two pick. All eyes lead us to Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson won't have Sam Darnold there because that would have been very uncomfortable. I think it makes a lot of sense because the Jets are taking a quarterback in number two. The fact the 49ers, you know, when you look at what the Niners may do with a trade and what they've done to move up to number three, I mean, you can give a haul. you got to give up a haul to move up. If the Jets were keeping Darnold, they would have made that deal at number two, right? If the Jets were going to keep Sam Darnold, then they have the second pick in the draft. They would have traded that second pick away and just got a haul for it, a whole bunch of more picks. That would have made sense. So we don't know exactly what the return is in regards to this fourth and sixth next year and what's happening this year with the sixth. It doesn't look that impressive, but the Jets are going into a different, different direction. They are going into a much different direction going forward, and that's a pretty big deal today. If you want to comment on that and how that affects the Raiders, it actually does affect the Raiders because the Raiders are a team that could trade up to number eight. They could. I've always said I'm encouraging it. If the Raiders want to move up and move up on the draft board, here's a team now in Carolina that doesn't seem like they need a quarterback. So maybe Carolina will trade back now at number eight because they got their quarterback in Sam Darnold. All of this is very interesting to me as we are all over the draft. 702-365-9200. The difference between Vegas and New York sports talk is New York jumps all over a topic like this. This isn't Derek Carr being traded. It's Sam Darnold, but it should get your interest here if you're a football fan. 702-365-9200. All right, one of the best sports writers in America giving us some time for the national championship game. I'm excited to talk to Ced, Cedric Golden from the Austin American Statesman who covered Baylor as good as anybody this year and knows the sport very well. Cedric, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Where do you put that Gonzaga UCLA game historically it's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of one of the greatest games ever played doesn't it yeah it is and I know we're around the same age and man uh, I started thinking about it right you know sports fans JT as soon as you see something like that all of a sudden you get into the to nostalgic mode and you start going all right where does it rank uh, so I start thinking about uh, Michael Jordan hitting the shot against uh, Georgetown in 82 as a freshman uh, I, th- I think of Christian Leitner uh, 10 years later with the turnaround jumper against mm-hmm. uh, Kentucky. Uh, those are the games that popped into my head. Um, uh, it was just a classic and uh, a surprise ending. I, I just di- I didn't see it ending on a buzzer beater from almost half court. But I did, about with eight minutes to go, I did tweet out, 
this feels like overtime. It just had that feel to it. And uh, my question coming out, my biggest question is, how in the hell did UCLA lose four games in a row before the tournament? Those guys were great. Yeah, they were tenacious, and you got a chance to see that with Houston a lot. Before we get to Baylor, you know, I didn't watch a ton of Houston Cougar basketball, but then when I watched them in the tournament and the way they were grabbing offensive rebounds and how tenacious they were, I felt like UCLA played a lot that way. They knew they didn't have the talent, but they fought for every 50-50 ball. They dived on the ground. They they double-teamed. They did everything that Mick Cronin asked him. It's just so sad that someone had to lose that game the way UCLA played as such an underdog. Yeah, and, and, and they, they were getting it from everybody. You know, Juzang was electric. I mean, it just got just made everything. And and uh, Yaquez uh, was a great number two. And then you, then you get this guy, Riley, uh, who they said couldn't make a shot all season. He, he turned into the reincarnation of Walter Berry, a left-handed power forward, just making uh, meaningful 15-footers. And so... Uh, I just thought I mean, at one point of the game, JT, I was like, you know what? I don't know that UCLA can be denied tonight. As great mm-hmm. as Gonzaga is, UCLA was answering every run with a run of their own. And, uh, man, uh, it's the kind of game that you almost wish would have been the final. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the, the dreamer in me is hoping uh, that's going to be just as epic. Cedric Golden is our guest, a fantastic insider. Great to have him on from the Austin American Statesman. So one thing about that, I love how you mentioned Jordan hitting the game winner for North Carolina because Suggs is going to the NBA. He's a one-and-done freshman, and he's going to have a great run in the NBA because he's physical, he's big, he can get his own shot, he can handle the ball, and he's just starting his basketball career. What is his ceiling? I mean, the eyeball test, how good is he? You know, uh, he he put put some tape. He already had a lot of good tape, but yeah. in one little sequence, and I don't. It's probably about seven minutes, seven or six minutes to go. He goes up and he dunk. He blocks a dunk, and I believe it was Riley trying to dunk. Mm-hmm. He blocks the dunk. He gets the rebound. He leads the break and throws an insane bounce pass for another dunk. And I'm sitting there going, "What can he? What can he not do?" Uh, I mean, he has all the tools. He is a – in baseball, they call it a five-tool player. I don't know how many tools they do in the NBA, but I know he can He can shoot, he can handle the rock, he defends like a beast, uh, he rebounds, and, and the biggest one to me is he just has this just this bottomless pit of confidence. Mark Few said, when I saw him with the ball, I knew we were going to win the game. I mean that that lets you know, and, and he's and he's shooting from forty feet out, and he makes them all the time in practice. So uh, there's such a thing, and we all played growing up. There's mm-hmm. such a thing as a gamer, and that kid is a gamer. He shows up when the lights are the brightest. He's the reason they won that game last night, and if they win against Baylor, he's going to have a huge hand in that as well. Cedric Golden joins us. Follow him at Ced Golden from the Austin American Statesman. All right, tell us about Baylor for those of us who haven't seen him play a lot and the championship game, the matchup, because their defense, their rebounding, and, man, they were hot. They were hot in bunches. Houston didn't even have a chance in that game. What do you see as the key to Gonzaga-Baylor? The key is gone. There's two very good offensive teams. Baylor's better on defense. Uh, Baylor's the best three-point shooting team in the country, about 42%. And um, 
it all starts with the two guards, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell. Um, Shaka Smart, who just left Texas to go coach at Marquette, called Davion Mitchell a football player who's mm-hmm. very good at basketball. And he said it in the most complimentary way possible. He is he is just a rock of a guard, and he and he's a a tenacious defender. He makes big shots. Uh, he's the guy that put that game away against Houston early. He just decided, you know what, uh, we're 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 gonna blow you out in the first half. I'm gonna make a three at the half, and then you guys can um, go ahead and get and get tell the laundry guy that he doesn't have to wash your uniforms after the game because you're headed back to Houston with an L. So uh, it all starts with those two guys. Mark Vidal is the glue guy inside. He's 6'5", um, a, a real hard-nosed type player. That's going to be an interesting uh, matchup with him and Drew Timmy because he's going to be giving up some size. But Vidal has, has always overachieved against bigger guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing if, if Gonzaga can, can score the ball against Baylor like they have against everybody else. Uh, this was the first game in like 30 games where – they didn't win by double digits. and Cedric Golden is our guest. So, Ced, uh, this, the coaches moving this time of year is pretty obvious, and you've been covering this sport a while. So, Chris Beard goes to Texas. The Texas Tech AD was really heated on it, but, you know, took the high road to the extent it, you could there. What was that recruiting like? Because, you know, I'm in Vegas, and we got Kevin Kruger to come. Lon retired from Oklahoma. Porter Mosier's going there. But I look at this Texas basketball war to get coaches from shocking out working. How did this play out behind the scenes? Because we lost Beard at UNLV when he got cold feet a couple of years ago. How excited is Texas? Oh, they're really excited because, uh, you know, it's an upgrade. And, as well, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, JT, if, if Texas had beaten Abilene Christian, we're, we're, we're not having this conversation right now. Right. Shock is still the coach unless he decides to leave anyway. But if they beat Abilene Christian, I think he's still going to be the coach. Uh, I think he took he's probably taking less money to go to Marquette. Uh, it's a private school, so I don't know how much they're going to give him. They didn't really release that. But he was making 3.5 a year. And I'd, I'd be shocked for Marquette, which doesn't have a big football money coming in, to pay him upwards of that. So um, I think uh, it wasn't much of a recruitment, I don't think. I think that Chris Beard, who was a student assistant under Tom Penders, way back in the day at Texas. He's a UT graduate, so he's coming home. And uh, I don't know that they had to really uh, push him that hard to take this job. The Tech AD, Kirby Holcutt, said that he wasn't even allowed. Uh, Beard wasn't even trying to hear a counteroffer. And so they were looking at giving him something like um, Bill Self got, like a rolling contract for life. But he wanted to come to Texas. And uh, I think I think the fan base is going to be really excited. They're losing a lot of guys, mm-hmm. but the one thing about Chris Beard is he's really adept at bringing in those those grad transfers to fill the holes and and to uh, make it all work. So uh, with with this hire and uh, with the hire of Steve Sarkeesian for football, uh, this this is uh, Chris Del Conte's legacy. A uh, an athletic mm-hmm. director is only judged on how well the football team does, and on a lesser scale how men's basketball does. So uh, these are two big-name hires. I think that it's a slam dunk. Uh, Chris Beard's not going to let Texas suck because uh, he's yeah. just a, a maniac at, at competing and recruiting. They're going to be in the mix within two or three years for a national championship. That's just what he does. 
Yeah, I agree. I think he's a hell of a coach. Said on the way out, what was your impression of Dak Prescott's deal with the Cowboys and the state and how he got rewarded? I thought he beat Jerry Jones in the negotiation. Jerry Jones doesn't care. He's got all the money he's going to need. But the whole state getting behind Dak now, did you think that was going to happen? Are you excited about his future with the Cowboys? Yeah, I am. And you know what? The, the one thing about Jerry Jones, and you know, we're, we're kind of middle-aged guys now, JT, mm. Jerry can't live forever. He's 78 years old. Yeah. You really want to get in a pissing match with a 27-year-old kid who's already one of the top 10 most accurate passers ever? Or do you want to try to fix this thing and try to get back to a Super Bowl for the first time in 25 years? He mucked it up yet last year, and um, he was on his way to doing it again. And so uh, what happened is he basically made a martyr of Dak because everybody's like, well, Jerry, we know you got billions. You gave Romo his money. Why aren't you giving mm-hmm. Dak his money? So the fact that he gave him his money, and now that now Dak uh, is firmly entrenched as the face of the franchise, and now they can figure out how to fix those other areas. Because before, we remember last season, it was early, but before he got hurt, he was having an MVP season. He was a, he was a great player on a crappy team. So – um, I think he will continue to be great. He's not even 28 years old yet. Uh, he's, what, 15 years younger than Tom Brady, to keep it in perspective. So he's had a lot of good football left in him. The Cowboys are are, are undoubtedly the best team in the NFC East coming back uh, because of Dak Prescott. Now, their history suggests that doesn't mean they're going to win the division because they always find a way to mess it up. But on paper, I would pick them to win that division. Uh, Cedric, when you come to Vegas, drink's on me. I hope it's sooner than later now. We're wide open. Get, let's get going here, all right? You got it, man. I'll be reaching out. Thanks, Ed. That would be a lot of fun to get you out here. And uh, another guy checking in as we're able to preview the national championship game tonight. And, again, he covered a lot of Baylor games this year. I wouldn't be shocked if Baylor won. I wouldn't be shocked, but I think we have a night for history with Gonzaga. Breaking news, Sam Darnold traded from the Jets to the Carolina Panthers. So there's a lot of people now with instant Monday afternoon quarterback reaction on this. Like to get your opinion. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. A quarterback, a starting quarterback has moved. Starting quarterbacks in the NFL don't get traded. Look at your calendar this often, this time of year. Chris Sims, who I think is a very good insider, he just tweeted out, great trade for the Panthers. Sam Darnold is the perfect fit for the offense they run under Joe Brady. West Coast, Sean Payton stuff. Darnold is incredible as an intermediate passer between 5 and 20 yards. He has a quick release and great feed in the pocket. So there it is. We'll see. I I wish Sam Darnold better luck than he had with the Jets. It's exactly what's going on with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. You get drafted by a terrible team, and that's why Baker Mayfield is so special. If you look at the Raiders' struggles over 20 years with a Super Bowl appearance, if you look at Cincinnati, who has struggled a long time, Detroit, Detroit's a good example. The teams that have struggled, sometimes quarterbacks come and they get there and it's not their fault. Their team doesn't do well. Their team isn't that competitive. And for Derek Carr, Derek Carr continues to stay with the Raiders and be a guy who is a borderline pro bowler. Will that happen to Joe Burrow? Will Joe Burrow get the Sam Darnold treatment? He's already suffered a very serious knee injury. How much better can he get behind that Cincinnati offensive line? So for Sam Darnold, I think it's great that he moves on. It's great for his career. But if he would have made it big, 
in the number one media market with the Jets. It could have been a big deal. All right, our good friend is going to join us, Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And a lot more conversation on the game upcoming tonight. And Colt Miller's contract extension right here on Raider Nation Radio. Brought to you by our friends at PTs. As a player, you guys played your asses off, and, and you're, you're in a position to win there. And, and that defensive call makes no sense to, to blitz there, with, especially with rookie cornerbacks. How can you guys not be pissed off at Greg Williams right now for, for making that call? It is what it is. Uh, you know, as, again, as players, we're going to go in tomorrow and uh, look at the film and see how we can play better. That's Sam Darnold after the Raider loss. Remember, Henry Ruggs the third with the bomb, the big catch. Sam Darnold would have had that win against the Raiders. That was a really big deal as they started winning some games and they still got the second pick overall. Sam Darnold traded to the Carolina Panthers about an hour ago. Mark Anderson kind enough to join us from the Review Journal as we get ready for the game tonight. Mark, I saw a lot of your tweets. Good to talk to you. That was something. UCLA and Gonzaga. Give me your big picture. Historically, you're a big college basketball guy on where that game stands all time. I saw someone uh, say they think it was the best game they saw. I, I wouldn't quite go that far. I still I think the Kentucky-Duke uh, game on the Leitner shot is still the best college basketball game I can remember seeing. But this is, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's now on the list. <laughs> it, it's yeah. uh, It was incredible. And, uh, um, you know, and, and it had every, and what was great about it is that it didn't feel like either team did anything to lose the game. Uh, it just felt like, I mean, yeah, UCLA probably had a couple of possessions that they could have won the game, but but I don't, I didn't feel like they blew those possessions. I, I just felt like Gonzaga probably pretty good defense in those spots, and I, I just, it just felt like both teams just brought their best game, and it was, it was just exciting to watch. You know, UNLV basketball eighty nine and ninety, and they should have went back to back, and they were good enough to maybe be undefeated. But they, the gauntlet back then was much tougher, I think, than the gauntlet that Gonzaga's running in the WCC. I think Gonzaga's schedule's a joke other than their early non-conference. Where do you compare Gonzaga if they win this game tonight compared to the depth of UNLV and Tark and those great teams? Yeah, college basketball was just different then because you had players staying three and four years. So you, so the, the depth of talent was so much better than it is now, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Gonzaga, but I still say to this day that 91 UNLV team is the best team I've ever seen. Even though they didn't win at all, I just I, I'm still blown away by their talent. And um, you know, and you take away that two-year stretch UNLV had of winning the title and then going back to the Final Four with that 34-0 team. That's probably the two best. Best. And I know UCLA had some amazing teams, but I I, I think that's probably the strongest two-year stretch. Um, any teams put out there. I mean, you still, yes, had that run of titles, but as far as pure talent, uh, I put I put the, those two UNLV teams up against anyone. Mark Anderson's our guest. We get him every two weeks on Monday for the Review Journal. It's a better show because of it. And if I look back at what UNLV has done with Mick, excuse me, UCLA has done with Mick Cronin. Did did you see something with how he's recruited, what he's doing? 
that could give us an idea of what Kevin Kruger wants to do and how he's going to be able to build it because UCLA turned it around pretty quickly, and I wasn't impressed with UCLA this year. When I watched him, I was not impressed, but I'm blown away with what he got out of him in the tournament. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how many people really were impressed, and they ended the season on a skid. Uh, you know, they, they, they weren't really taking any kind of momentum to speak up into this tournament. So, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's only anything Kruger, Kevin Kruger can borrow from that necessarily. Um, I, I think now with the portal, um, the pressure is going to be on Kevin Kruger to really hit that hard. And I just think that's going to be the way of life in college basketball going forward. But especially this year when you have a lot of seniors now who are deciding to play the extra year rather than you know, go on with their lives, um, you know, that, that adds an, another element to it. So it's, it's going to, I think, I think the next college basketball season is going to be largely be based on two things. One, who, what teams like Gonzaga built from the bottom up and, and just, you know, maybe got transfers here and there, but didn't really rely on. And then which schools, did the best job of bringing in the right transfers because you can bring in the talent, most talented transfers, but you do on chemistry. It doesn't really mean a whole lot because we've seen that. We've seen a lot of talented UNLV teams that, that underperform. So it's it's going to be interesting. You know, how, how Kevin Kruger does in the portal, I think, is going to determine what kind of season they had. And, and because of that portal, there isn't the patience to win anymore with, with athletic directors. It's coaches know they, they need to win within a couple of years if they, if they want to if they want to keep the uh, the heat off him. Mark Anderson's our guest. As we move to the Raiders, Colton Miller seemed like he was nicely shocked about getting that early contract extension. The first in that class, it seems like the Raiders didn't want to mess around with that, get that deal done. He's only going to be more expensive down the road. I, I've said this, Mark. I think he's a Gruden guy. Gruden put his neck out to bring him in, and he delivered for Gruden, and now he's getting rewarded. Now more of the players have to follow the Colton Miller model. Talk about the early success he's had as a Raider. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because he came in, and um, I think there's a lot of criticism on that draft pick. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and you give Colton Miller the credit the credit for, for either either he used it to fuel himself or he just ignored it. Either way, he, he um, you know, he just came in and put in the work. I guess, you know, pretty much kept his head down and, and got it done. And and he's been a very reliable offensive lineman. I think he's going to be someone they can kind of build that offensive line around in the coming years. So um, obviously they're they're remaking their entire offensive line right now. Well, not not their entire offensive line, but large, large part of their offensive line. And you know they they paid heavy for that line in the past. And I think the philosophy now is you don't need to do that. And I'm not sure that they do need to do that. But you do have to invest. In your left tackle and your center, that's always that's my philosophy, and I think that a lot of people subscribe to that because you you get the right left tackle and the right center in there, um, you you know that that's and have those guys locked up 10, 12 years, then that's 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 an incredible advantage. Hey, Mark, last one, big picture. I'm disappointed about the small turnout at Lucas Oil, 8,200 for the Final Four. It looks like the Vancouver Canucks half the team has COVID. There's new variants out there. Everybody's getting the vaccine, which is a positive. But where do you stand? I had Bill Foley on three weeks ago. He wanted to be sold out. He wanted to be sold out by the playoffs. The Raiders got to sell out and have butts in the seats. They don't want to do 30 40%. Uh, is this a story you're tracking here about how we're going to make these 
giant moves in attendance coming up? Because if we don't get these moves in attendance going, when are we going to get them? We don't have a lot of sporting events in this town in the summer before UNLV football, before Raider football, when hockey runs out. What are you hearing? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on not only the Nevada governor, but governors throughout the country to completely open things up because not people, you know, you just can't even, it's not just sporting events. It's, you know, restaurants and movie theaters and everything. They can't keep operating on the current margins. So, and I do, I do think because everything I'm reading and hearing about these vaccines, that they're very effective even against the variants. Like you know, and I think uh, the last numbers are like thirty percent of the pe- of the population has gotten at least one dose, and about eighteen, nineteen percent is fully vaccinated. So the so that's really picking up. And so I think in another couple months, if you have high numbers of people vaccinated, you know, I I do think I do think it's going to be hard to argue against opening things up more more. And you know, maybe you make. Um, Maybe early stages still require people to either be vaccinated or have negative COVID test or or something. If you want mm-hmm. packed stadiums, um, but I I do think it's I do I do see at least by this fall I do I do see everything being open. Hopefully you're right. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always appreciate your insight. Uh, thanks, JT. Appreciate it too. You got it, Mark Anderson. Yeah, my big thing with the the numbers doubling. Is that, you know, I don't know why we're going from, I take COVID very seriously if you listen to the show. So if we go from 20, I don't know why we go from, we should go from 20 to 40, not 20 to 28 to 30%. And then when we get to 50%, you double that, that means 100%. So I thought that was the plan initially. That's what Mr. Foley told me as we were talking about the Golden Knights. Bill Foley, he corrected me, no more mister. That you get to a point in sports where you get to 50%. And then the next number, just like in Vegas, if we're trying to get occupancy, you go from 50 to 100. You don't go from 50 to 60 to 70 to 80, back to 60. You try to push it. But I don't know. I'm not a doctor. We'll see how it plays out. But there are a lot of teams. I just thought they'd have more at this championship game tonight. It's a big football stadium. They could have spread out 10, 20,000 more people and wouldn't have had a problem with it, especially with mask mandates. We'll see. I think it's the biggest story in this town. The biggest story in this town is how do we go from 50% to 100% and fill up these sports venues and concert venues with new rules, which could require a mask still, could require proof of a vaccination, whatever it's going to be. I'll follow the rules. I just want to go. I want to go to these big events, and I want to make sure we're safe. Hey, when we come back, more on the national championship game tonight, which should be a classic. I don't know what you're doing tonight. But PTs will have 64-plus locations showing the game. Head on out and watch this incredible basketball game. Dribbling to the right side, it's Juzang. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks it home. Banks it home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to Sten Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Unbeaten Gonzaga comes up 
with the hero play of the year from the freshman. And their one win away from an undefeated national championship. JT, back with you. Oh, I can listen to that all day. What a call. What a call. Gonzaga as they get ready for the national championship game tonight. Welcome back to the show. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. And I had a chance to hang out with Sam and Ash on Friday. I want to thank Sam and Ashley. I went to their office right in the heart of downtown, which was fantastic, gorgeous, Brand new Sam and Ash office, the art, the murals, right there in the heart of First Friday, our first Friday back with real people and music in attendance. So we had a great meeting. I got a chance to see the office. Their staff was fantastic. And then we went to Circa to have our cocktail meeting at the top, which is called the Legacy Club, and had a fantastic time up there for a few hours. And then when we were done wrapping that up, we they took me over to First Friday. And for those who don't live in Vegas, the first Friday of every month downtown in the Arts District, they basically just have an outdoor kind of small festival with a lot of businesses and food trucks and music. And this was the first one in a year, and it was fantastic. And we stayed there for about a half hour before I headed home and had a really good Friday, really good Friday. So, again, if you get in an accident, go to SamAndAshLaw.com uh, because you deserve what's right. They're really good friends. They care a lot about what we're doing here, and they're big partners of ours. They're all over Lotus's family of stations, especially us, and I really trust their friendship. So pick up pick up the phone or just go online to SamAndAshLaw.com. So that was Friday. Saturday was my wife's birthday, which was a big deal for me, and celebrated my wife's birthday actually on on that Saturday and that was a lot of fun weather was gorgeous 91 degree day so I wasn't surprising my wife I told my wife we were going to go back to Circa for dinner at my buddy Barry's restaurant Barry's downtown prime and Barry the chef there and Marco and Yassine and everybody I reached out to him about a month ago and knew my wife's birthday was on a Saturday so we got a beautiful reservation knowing that not knowing at the time a month ago, but knowing that now that the Gonzaga game was going to be on against UCLA. All right, so let me get into what happened there. So we go into Circa, and I pick up my wife and another couple, and we drive down there, and we're meeting two other couples. So there's eight of us total having dinner. She didn't know the other two couples were coming, friends of ours, and we went to surprise them. Surprise really didn't go as planned, but that's for another story. We walk into this fabulous restaurant. If you haven't been to Barry's yet, please go. It's incredible. Food's incredible. The staff's incredible. Barry was the former chef at Nine Steakhouse in Scotch 80, so we've been friends a long time. He's great friends with Pete Rose and Joe Montana. And if you follow Barry on any type of Instagram or Facebook or social media, there is always someone in the kitchen from Mike Tyson to the head of the UFC, Dana White, or someone's there having dinner. Mark Davis is there often. It's a great restaurant, and I don't say that often. It's spectacular. So we sit down, and we have dinner, and we're sitting there, the eight of us, and we're in this room that had like a curtain, not a private room. They have a couple of private rooms there. But we were in this room, and I sat with my back to the TV in the bar, and I have my phone away. I'm not going to be looking at scores on my wife's birthday. But you could hear, you could feel the energy building in the restaurant. 
So I looked at the game once when I went to the restroom, and it was 63-61, and I said, oh, my God, UCLA has a chance to win this game. I didn't think they had a chance. I thought they were going to be, as we've talked about earlier, I thought they were going to get blown out, blown out, because they just don't match up with Gonzaga. And I knew this was going to be a tough game. And on my other show, Brick at Night on Mad Dog that I do after this one, one of the listeners, I said, if UCLA won, I would pay for him and his wife to fly to Vegas on Southwest and put him up here for one night. And that was always in the back of my mind because I didn't want to do that. I got kids I'm going to college like everybody else. I don't want to just give away money to a listener on a radio show. But that was a bit because I didn't think UCLA was going to get out of the play-in game. I had Michigan State winning the play-in game, and then UCLA started winning. So when the game went to overtime, the guys at the table, as we were wrapping up our meal, we just went to the bar at Barry's, and the bar was starting to pack out. And we watched the entire overtime as our better halves, the ladies were back there getting ready for dessert, hanging out, wrapping up dinner, and the whole restaurant gravitated to the bar. And I told Barry, I said, wow, Barry, this is great. And Barry, this is his restaurant. And he's there with his chef attire on, and he's watching the game. And he says, JT, he goes, the kitchen has got UCLA on the money line. I said, what? He goes, yeah, we got a bunch of guys in the kitchen that went in on UCLA on the money line. So he was hoping they'd win. You want your staff to win money. And we're watching the game. It's back and forth, back and forth. Then the game hit. And the noise in the restaurant, in a restaurant, when Suggs hit that game winner that you just heard, exploded. And upstairs is the sports book. So we're, we're downstairs. I don't know what it sounded like in the sports book, but every sports book in Vegas had to be packed to the rafters or whatever, whatever you could do with social distancing and the protocol. But what a great moment in Vegas history. So I didn't pay attention to most of the game. I watched the entire overtime. And then I talked about it on my show last night. And every caller was just fascinated by it. So I think, as we said, it goes down as one of the greatest games ever played. It checks all the boxes for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was an overtime buzzer beater. Not a buzzer beater, an overtime buzzer beater. It was a buzzer beater in the final four. And the only thing bigger than that is what we saw with Villanova, a buzzer beater to end a game, the championship game. So this can't make it the greatest game of all time because it wasn't a buzzer beater for the national championship, but it was pretty close. And then the fact that a heavy underdog stayed in the game made it that much more interesting. A future NBA lottery pick in Jalen Suggs made the shot. So like Michael Jordan for North Carolina when he hit the game winner, Suggs is going to be better than Keith Smart, who barely played. I think he had two points in the league. Barely played two games, I think he played in the NBA. This kid's going to be a lot better. But the most important thing is he kept an undefeated season alive. If Gonzaga lost a game or two, it would have been a big deal. But the fact that they remain undefeated going into this game in a few hours makes it that much better. So Mount Rushmore only has four presidents, so you can only have four on your list. And I think this goes down as one of the four greatest games in college basketball history, including Christian Leitner's Game winner against Kentucky. Pass was thrown by Grant Hill. That was in a regional final, not the final four. Then you could go back to Tyus Edney, UCLA going coast to coast. Bryce Drew. You can go down whatever level you want with great shots over the career. And I don't remember, nor do I know, great shots and buzzer beaters in the 50s and the 60s. Bill Walton and Lou Alcindor and John Wooden with their 
10 championships, the greatest team of all time. Maybe there was a great moment that I'm missing out on. But Gonzaga's shot to win and beat UCLA was one of the great moments in the history of college basketball. And that puts a lot of pressure on tonight. I don't know how you could have a better game than what we saw with UCLA. And I learned a lot about UCLA. I was ball-busting them a little bit because I didn't think they were very good, and they proved me wrong, which happens all the time when you have opinions in sports talk radio. And I knew that they were decent, but I didn't think they were very good to go this far. And they did what all great teams do with a great coach. Mick Cronin, the coach of that team, had to muck it up. He had to turn it into a backyard brawl. He had to make the game sloppy. And they won the 50-50 balls, and they did everything they had to do to get Gonzaga out of a rhythm. Now, I think Baylor's a much better team than UCLA, and Baylor had a cakewalk against Houston in that earlier game. wasn't even close. So Baylor should be a little bit more rested. They didn't have the wear and tear of overtime, the drama mentally and physically of overtime. So I think that's going to help Baylor as they're getting four and a half points in this game. But Gonzaga's come too far to lose. I think they really have come too far to lose. And in sports, every year, no matter what the sport is, Pick a sport, any sport, we always see something like this happen. There's always great moments that bring us together. So I'll remember the Gonzaga buzzer beater as my wife's birthday. I'll remember Chef Barry. I'll remember the Salmon Ash weekend seeing them. I'll remember the weather getting up to 90-plus degrees. It was fantastic. Leads us to the game tonight where anything could happen. Total on the game is 159-and-a-half or 159, depending on where you're playing it out, and the line is still at four and a half. I like Gonzaga to win the national championship, not to cover the spread. I'll give Baylor credit for that, but hopefully we get a great game and more great memories together. So I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to get into that game tonight. I'll be on live during the game, later on doing some play-by-play and having some fun tonight, and we'll recap it tomorrow. And then get you ready for the Masters. We have several insiders for golf. From gaming perspectives, just from the Masters, we'll talk about that and stay with our Raiders content as we get ready for the draft. And, man, are we going to spend a lot of time on the draft. We are spending a tremendous amount of time on the Raiders draft and where they are at at 17 and what they have to do to get a great player by either trading up or waiting there at 17. And, fortunately, as I've been telling you for weeks, I think they'll get a great player at 17 because all the quarterbacks are going early And that will be a big storyline. And then the other big story is Deshaun Watson. However, this plays out this week. And what happens now that there is an open police investigation in Houston and how that could uh, really lead to this getting to the DA and a case potentially going to trial. So there's a lot going on. But on Raider Nation Radio, we're focusing on the draft. There's some really good programming being built around the draft that I think everybody's going to like a lot here. And we're going to do a kick-ass job here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. 702-365-9200 is your always open phone line. And you should have an opinion on the Golden Knight struggles, what happened with Gonzaga, and who you like in the game tonight. Because we're a sports talk show, and tonight is a big night. Make sure you catch the game on any of the platforms or right here in the Lotus family as we'll be carrying the games right here on a sister station to Raider Nation Radio. We continue. Thanks again to Sam and Ash. What great people. SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right.
Juzang corner, three, got it! Juzang, ice water in the veins of the Kentucky transfer. To have injuries to Cody Riley, uh, to Johnny Juzang, all the way to uh, poor Jules Bernard throwing up all night, missing, missing practice today, taking IVs to get himself on the court, uh, and then to a half-court bank shot at the buzzer. So these guys, they deserved a better ending. Oh, turn this up. This brings me back to my youth. This brings me back to hanging out in the woods with my buddies, building fires in high school late at night with cowboy hats and denim, denim jackets with fur on them. Yep, I went through that stage with Leonard Skinner. Very proud of it. Bobby knows that, right, Bobby? I went through my Leonard Skinner phase, my Southern Rock, a kid from Long Island, New York. I was lucky enough to go through a Southern Rock era in my life with Charlie Daniels, Molly Hatchett, the Outlaws, and Leonard Skinner. That is still with me till today, Bobby, so I'm not apologizing for it. It's the soundtrack of my youth. You would be surprised at just how many Leonard Skinner fans there were in New England. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Leonard Skinner was incredible. And I'll never forget where I was the day the plane crash went down. The plane went down. was on a bus and uh, with, in school and all my friends. I'll never forget that day and the impact that had. All right, so we got the national championship game tonight. It's a big night in Vegas. Look, it is a tradition to have the national championship game on a Monday. Saturday, Final Four, Monday game. So it's kind of like a three-day weekend. But we're still going through the tough difficulties of the pandemic where we don't have 100% capacity and all that. I'm looking outside the window of my house. We had a windstorm just come through here a few minutes ago that's wild. The trees were bending sideways. If anybody was out there golfing, I don't know what's going on with the pool parties today, what people are doing. I did have a great time at the circuit, Chef Barry's. Thanks to Barry and his whole staff. Thanks to Sam and Ash who took me out on Friday. Great, great partners of ours at SamAndAshLaw.com. And enjoy PTs tonight if you're watching the game. Good Monday show for us. Thanks to Frank Hawkins. Great to talk to him. That interview will be up at Raiders.com. Also, Mark Anderson, who joined us and said, my guy who came in to break, break down the game tonight. Hope you enjoyed every portion of the show. Please support our partners here. We have two new ones this week or the beginning of next week that we're introducing. A tequila company and a beer company. Never dreamed of that as a little boy, that I'd be on the radio promoting beer and tequila. It could be a lot worse. Have a great night, everybody. Enjoy the national championship game. And keep it here on Raider Nation Radio. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.